quiet. So the um, Bible reading today is going to be from 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 11. Um, That will be found on page 1161 in the Church Bibles. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what it is to see, rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Thanks, Catherine. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's great to be here this morning. Um, If not just to take my thoughts off the rugby yesterday, which was another disaster. Um, Now we've got that out of the way, we'll we'll just park it. Football as well, hey? Um, Not good. Well, the, uh, the message today is reasons for sharing the gospel, and we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 um, and verses 11 to the end of the chapter. Just by way of introduction, um, I, I became a Christian in 1993. That's now 30 years ago, nearly. Um, I was a new student at Leicester University um, in my first year studying history, And um, it was just a a girl from the Christian Union who invited me to a Friday meeting. Um, Normally, I got drunk every Friday and Saturday. It was back in the days where I seemed to have something called disposable income um, due to a student grant. Um, But in that meeting, something happened to me. Um, I started crying. I, I couldn't get over the people there. Why were they going to this lecture theater? Why weren't they out? What was this thing they were calling the gospel that they called the good news? And then the the speaker, who was a a pastor from Nottingham, um, at the end of his message on Romans, they were going through Romans, he he said, there's a young man here. He, He seemed to hear from God. He said, there's a young man here who's confused, And um, here is an invitation for that young man to come to Jesus Christ tonight. 
uh, he quoted the, the verse that Catherine just read, today is the day of salvation, now is the acceptable time. And I believed there, I put my trust in Jesus there, I found out that the gospel is indeed good news. For some reason, even though I was only 19 years old, um, I, I felt the burden of, of sin and shame. And I also, that night, felt it being lifted off me and onto Jesus. That is the gospel. And around 20 of us students actually uh, put our trust in Jesus, that term, as we went week by week through um, the book of Romans. And since then, I've seen many lives turned around. I've seen people turning from all kinds of addictions. I've seen people without meaning in their lives find meaning, purpose, direction. I've seen the Holy Spirit change people from the inside out. Of course, we are all still broken, so broken, but the broken pieces are being put back together. That's called discipleship, as the gospel is lived out. And these are some of the reasons why I share the gospel today. The words of Romans 1.16 were given to me as I was baptized. And folks, Easter is a wonderful time to get baptized. So do think about that. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Now is the acceptable time. And, and maybe you would get baptized at Easter. But these words were given to me. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power the Greek word is dunamos, dynamite. It is the explosive power of God for salvation to them that believe. So in this part of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he gives some reasons why he is, has given his life to sharing the gospel. Remember that the Corinthians found Paul rather unimpressive. And they also found some aspects of the gospel he was preaching about a crucified Messiah a little unimpressive. So Paul is in the middle of explaining why he does what he does, why the bits that appear so unimpressive are so important. And I think there are three things that, that Paul highlights. He says, I share the gospel because of the fear of the Lord, verses 11 to 14. He says, I share the gospel because the love of Jesus Christ compels me, uh, verses 14 to 17. And he says, I share the gospel because I am an ambassador of reconciliation, uh, verse 20 and 21. So let's go through those. First of all, in verse 11 to 13, Paul says, I share the gospel because of the fear of the Lord. Look at it here. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. He doesn't do this by shouting in the streets. He did it with gentleness and respect. But Paul would say to, to us today, this is why I, I try to persuade people to follow Jesus it's because I fear the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean he was afraid of God like you might be afraid of an angry man. Uh, he had a respect for the holiness of God. 
The holiness of God means that God hates everything that's evil, and that's good news. That God is so good that he hates evil, he cannot allow sin in his presence, and therefore, he cannot allow humans who have sin, whose sin is not covered, into his presence. But that's what Jesus offers to do for us, to cover our sin so that we can stand in his presence with his righteousness. More of that in a minute. But Paul starts off with the word since then. The word since then causes us as we read the Bible to look back. Since what? Well, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So that's why Paul fears the Lord. He fears the Lord because he knows that everybody, everybody must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So when you go to a funeral, you know that the person who's just died will actually appear before Christ. This is what it means to be a human being, that human beings are accountable to their creator. Jesus is our creator, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God. And, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are accountable to them, three persons, one God. So it's not true, as most people would say, that when you die, you just become part of the universe. No, each person, says the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 9:27, is destined to die just once, you don't come back and back and back again, just once you die, and after that, there is a judgment. Paul talks about this a lot. I could list loads and loads of verses, but just one more. In Romans 2.16, he says there will be a day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. So there will be a day when we appear before the judgment seat and all our secrets will be made known and plain. So after we die, each of us are going to give an account to the God who created us. And for this reason, Paul wants to share the gospel because that's a kind of a fearful thing that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But the gospel says that when you give that account... Your advocate, your lawyer, Jesus, will stand and give the account for you and say, I died for this person. I've covered their sins. They're in me. Therefore, they are acquitted. I've shown them my grace. And now they're going to spend the rest of eternity as flourishing human beings. But because we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, there is an urgency to this gospel. It's really, really, really important. Human beings do need to be persuaded to turn back to God because human beings have turned from God. They've all turned from the goodness of God and they've become broken. Human beings are malfunctioning and broken, and the world that we live in is malfunctioning and broken. I mean, look at this world. 
it is full of violence and anger and selfishness. You know, human beings are capable of incredible things, but also capable of terrible things. The, the war in Ukraine is in our minds. It's been a year, but there are conflicts all around the world. There is ethnic cleansing uh, in places like Burma that don't reach our TV screens. There is, there is torture. Human beings are malfunctioning. A couple of weeks ago, uh, our family went for the first time to the Showcase Cinema in Southampton. Cool, it's posh, isn't it? It's lovely. And we watched the movie Megan. Has anyone seen that movie? No? It's a fun movie. It's horror, but it's kind of comedy horror. I'd love to play you the trailer, but I'm not allowed. Um, anyway, there, in this movie, there's an auntie who's an inventor and um, a little girl, her parents have just died, and the auntie uh, has custody of the little girl. But she's so busy in her job that this inventor auntie invents a robot called Megan to be a full-time babysitter. Well, that sounds like a great idea, actually. Um, this, this robot is very intelligent and amazing, and it's programmed to protect the little girl. But when a dog attacks the little girl... Megan goes and kills the dog. When a little boy is nasty to the girl, Megan goes and kills the boy. And in the end, Megan starts killing everybody. Uh, and Megan turns on her creator and tries to kill her too. Folks, this is just like the human race. We have malfunctioned. We're created for good purposes, but we've turned on our creator, and we've caused havoc in this world. And yet, as Paul says, human beings all have a conscience. We looked at this a few weeks ago, didn't we? We have a conscience that is that the God-given bit of us that knows what is wrong and right. And Paul wants to appeal to that conscience, and so he tries to persuade men. That's the first reason that Paul gives for sharing the gospel. Since then, we know what it is to fear God. We try to persuade people and appeal to their consciences. Now, how about you? Do you have a right respect for the holiness of God? Because most people today think that we're not accountable to God. Uh, the fear of God was something from a past generation to keep people under control. It was a power play. But now we've cast off God and we can have freedom to define wrong and right ourselves. And yet, as we look at the world, I don't think human beings seem to be more free. The evidence of our malfunctioning as human beings is greater in 2023 than it's ever been. And so the fear of God and the judgment seat of Christ is actually good news because if there's no judgment, if there's no real right and wrong, and if as humans we're just left to make that up ourselves, then, then what happens is history tells us we get ethnic cleansing, we get the death camps and invasions, and we get hell on earth. The Bible says the only way to hell is to say, I don't care about Jesus, I don't care about his cross, I want to go my own way. I'm fine, thank you. I'll make up the rules myself. 
And that's the trajectory that human beings have taken. But the gospel says, as human beings, we don't need to go that route. We can turn to Jesus who offers to take the malfunctioning brokenness on himself. And we can actually have our sins covered and be forgiven and then start to put the broken pieces together and function as the humans that we were created to be. And that is good news. And it is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. The second reason that uh, Paul gives for sharing the gospel is in verses 14 to 19. He starts off in verse 14 by saying, For Christ's love compels us, for we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So the first reason Paul had for sharing the gospel was the fear of God. The second reason is that Christ's love compels him. Paul never forgot that he was shown so much love and mercy from Jesus Christ. He was in love with Jesus Christ. Just as Christ loved him, he loved Jesus. And that caused him to love others so much that he was prepared to suffer as he shared the gospel. But Paul didn't always love people outside his own circle of family and friends. In fact, we know from his story that he hated Christians. He he wanted to put them to death. He wanted to destroy the church. But on the road to Damascus, the capital of Syria, where he was going to destroy the church, he met Jesus. And after that encounter, he became filled by the Holy Spirit to the extent that he was filled with such compassion and love, not just for people in his own circle, but people from all nations and all the world, not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. And his, that this love compelled him, forced him out to go into all the world and share the gospel. And that love compelled him to share that Jesus' death and resurrection mean that people shouldn't just live for themselves on that trajectory to hell, but, but they should live for the one who died for them and was raised again. And then in verse 16, he says, Now, I don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. In the Roman world, there were very rigid hierarchies. You you, you were a slave, or you were free, you were a Jew, or you were a Gentile, you were male, or you were female. But now he says, these these hierarchies uh, don't, don't mean anything for him. He wants to share the gospel to everybody. This is in the context of a very sophisticated town to which he was writing this letter, Corinth. They looked down on everybody else because they were materially well-off, they were sophisticated, mainly middle class, and they looked down on certain people. Just as the Jewish leaders had looked down on a carpenter from Galilee and all his ragamuffin bunch of northern yokel disciples. But... The love of Christ compels Paul to share the gospel with everybody, with slaves, with the poor, and with the rich. In our culture, we also often judge people, maybe by their looks. I remember when I was 20, praying, Oh Lord, 
when I take this train, can I sit next to a good-looking girl and I'll share the gospel with her? <laughs> Phil Pryor's a better man than me. He just shared the gospel with a Scottish executive on a red-eye flight from Kuala Lumpur. I read that in the prayer news. But, but God would say to us, look, everybody I have created is beautiful and amazing. That's what human beings are, made in the image of God. So share it with everybody all over the world, and especially with the poor and the downtrodden and with those who don't have much to offer. This has always been the Christian way to start there with the poor. And then he says in verse 17, if anybody, whoever they are, is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If anybody is in Christ, bang, Genesis, that's the word he uses, new creation. How about you? Does the love of Christ compel you? Are you in love with Jesus? I want to introduce you now to someone who is in love with Jesus. Uh, Moshtaba, do you want to come? And uh, I'm going to just ask Moshtaba a few questions. Moshtaba is one of those who we hope will be baptized in a few weeks. Hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mochtaba. I've been a Christian for about one year, and I was born in Tehran, capital of Iran, and uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I've been here in UK for about five months, yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Mochtaba, I've called you here because I've seen you yeah. uh, serving on a Thursday morning in the big breakfast. Yeah. I've seen you cleaning tables, yeah. serving food, talking to... Uh, yeah. People, can you tell us what is the big breakfast? Uh, actually, big breakfast is a big breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we serving food to uh, homeless people, and uh, this happens every every Thursday morning at the th- third floor of this building, Baba Church, and. Uh, I, I'm not alone. I have a, a lot of friends who helped me to this happen, and we are in love with, with Christ, and we, we're glad to Yeah, this. that's yeah. great. So, uh, I mean, why do you, someone from Iran, why do you want to help homeless people here in Southampton? Uh, it has two reasons. Uh, at first, because... Uh, God shown so much love to me, and uh, I want to show His love to other people. And secondly, because when I help to other people, and especially who need help, I'm feeling better in my heart and my mind, and it's ma- it's make me enjoy. Fantastic! Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks. Thank yeah, you so and much. look forward to your baptism. So these are the first two reasons in the text why, why, why Paul wants to share the gospel, the fear of God, the love of Christ. And the third reason is because he says, I'm an ambassador of reconciliation. Uh, we see that in verses 18 to 21. Uh, look at verse 18. Paul says, all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. So he talks there a lot about uh, reconciliation. Reconciliation means to restore a relationship between two people who've become enemies. Last year, I finally got round to reading Nelson Mandela's book, uh, and uh, what was it called? The Long Walk to Freedom. This is, it's going to be made into a musical, isn't it? I've often thought, you know, Mandela's life should be a West End musical. I think if it, if it, if it is and it's done it well, it'll go on for years. Mandela was rightly praised in the brutal 20th century as a, as a, uh, a hero of reconciliation the architect of a new South Africa, having endured 26 years of imprisonment and a lifetime of prejudice, Mandela forgave his captors and reconciled with them. He sought to reconcile black and white in South Africa. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa was truly extraordinary, where people confessed their crimes, repented, and received forgiveness from one another. Now, how did God reconcile us to himself? We have this uh, amazing, succinct verse in verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Rico Tice, who wrote Christianity Explored, he has this illustration. Uh, He says, look, uh, imagine God is up there, and this is you as a human being. You have a record of sin in your life. You have a record of, of many ways in which you've turned from God and malfunctioned. Jesus has no record of wrong, only a record of righteousness. And what happens when Jesus dies for you is that he takes this record of wrong onto himself. And because God can't stand sin, he has to punish it because he's holy. He punished Jesus in your place. And the sin was dealt with in the cross. And then Jesus rose and he actually transferred his righteousness to you. And now you stand righteous in his place, in his place. And therefore God accepts you and forgives you and loves you on behalf of what Jesus did for you. And that's what verse 21 is really going on about. And now Paul says, I am an ambassador of that message. I am an ambassador of this reconciliation. Now, folks, we are still so broken. Our relationships are often broken. Uh, John had that cube, didn't he? Showing how our relationships with the world relationships with God, relationship even with ourself, relationship with creation is is all malfunctioning and broken. And discipleship is putting those broken pieces back together. In Japanese culture, the practice of kintsugi means to repair with gold. Broken ceramics are repaired and reconciled to one another through gold to beautify the brokenness. And in the gospel, 
Our brokenness is adorned with gold, that brokenness that mars our sense of self, the brokenness that describes our relationship with God, the brokenness in our relationships with others can be restored with gold. That is the gospel. And these are the reasons for sharing the gospel. The gospel is so, so beautiful. It is a worthy subject on which to devote your life. It is the only hope for our broken world. And this message, therefore, is obviously not just for paid workers of the gospel or people with a gift of kind of word ministry. All of us have a role in sharing this gospel in our front lines, as Nick will uh, pick up in in a couple of minutes. We all have specific vocations and specific gifts in order to make a contribution to fix the broken places with gold. There is a work for Jesus that only you can do. There are people that only you can reach because every person you know must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so the fear of God compels us with an urgency. The love of Christ also uh, compels us to share the gospel and our role as ambassador of reconciliation requires us to take this gospel to a lost and broken world, a world where people are hurting, including ourselves that are hurting with the brokenness. And that's why we sing the gospel to each other, because we leak this gospel. Now, Paul concludes this and says, look, today is the day of salvation. Maybe today is a day where you can trust Jesus for the first time in your life. I'm just going to conclude with praying now, and perhaps somebody will pray this prayer, and even today will find that their brokenness begins to be healed with gold. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the gospel. We thank you for that word, reconciliation. Beautiful word. Lord, we pray that you would fix our broken relationships. And if we have a broken relationship with you, if we have not trusted in your Savior, Jesus, to take our sin, to cover our sin, Lord, I pray perhaps someone would hold out their hands now and receive Jesus Christ and themselves become an ambassador of reconciliation. We pray in his precious name. Amen.